thought you were. Damn. What? Dialed the number I know best instead of Jamie's office. I dialed my own number. Did you ever do that? Hello? Johnny, honey, I need that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I must have dialed the wrong number. What number did you want? Klondike 5, 6189. This is Klondike 5, 6189. Who are you calling? Nah, I must have dialed wrong. This can't be Klondike 5, 6189. Yeah? That's the number you've reached. Who did you want? We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And uh, we're wishing you a new year. Uh, we're now into the 2022s. Uh, I hope you had a good and safe new year. I hope that you um, did not have any um, uh, rabid Santa Clauses attacking your house. I mean, especially when you're murdering your spouse and trying to hide them down a well. Right. That would be, you know, you don't think... You don't, you don't want to be bothered by Santa while you're trying to throw a dead body down a well. I think that would be, that'd just be bad timing. It's so, just really inconvenient. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, listen, there's cookies inside. Help yourself. Just turn a blind eye. It's fine. So, yes, uh, we, we did take a week off uh, for the holiday. Uh, we did have a large set of detours from about mid-September through now. I hope you guys have enjoyed those detours. I know we did. Um, and as promised, as I have been saying often, this is a Twilight Zone podcast. Uh, and, it, and it currently is again. Uh, we've covered the original 60 series, um, two seasons of the Jordan Peele produced uh, series as well. And now here we are starting off 2022 as promised, getting into the 1980s edition of the Twilight Zone. As discussed, um, I, uh, yeah, we did talk about this on the recording that uh, what we're doing with this is that every episode, well, a lot of episodes in this this new series, not new series, new to us, new to you. Um, are sometimes either one, two, or three story segments. So instead of trying to tackle each episode in full, we're going to split the segments. So we're starting off tonight with season one, episode one, um, part A, because I think sometimes there's going to be, you know, A, B, and C segments, uh, Shatterday. So that's going to be the first story of uh, episode one. We'll cover the other story next week. So, um, yeah, this is exciting. So, Terry, you excited to get into this new Twilight Zone? Heck yeah, dude. How excited are you for the Grateful Dead doing the music? I I was really surprised because I'm also like, the Grateful Dead, this really well-rounded, like, like talented band, and they did this. As a, <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, who? what? I, huh? On their Commodore 64? Like, what is this? Well, yeah, so... Um, 
the the intro theme is cool. Like it still it still works for me. It, it's it's very creepy and moody. And then you and you even got Jay Jay Garcia doing like the you know do 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 with the guitar. And that's like that works. It, it's it, interesting. It fits for what it is. Like they didn't try to over overthink it. But like these these guys are in a rock and roll hall of fame. It was like, but what was this? I oh no, the <laughs> the scoring for this this segment just it was like. Some of the music may not have aged well, but I think the intro music works. I think the intro imagery works. I like the homage of like the ghosty image of Serling, and I, which is cool yeah. how they did that too. I, I read about like how they did some that smoke nitrogen gas or whatever nitrogen yeah. gas. Yeah, and it was a uh, projected onto the gas. Yeah, That's really cool. Very. I think it all feels very in line with what you know what Rob was going for, and I like. And if this is your '80s update, fine. You know, like, like doll um, baby head thing <laughs> yeah. and like uh, an explosion. It's kind of it's it's weird. I I dig it but it's very dated but we don't worry because i mean it wasn't like in the original series where we saw like the little like the little wooden doll fly through with the (laughs) whatever it just gets a little it gets a little weird sometimes right but uh the producer uh, for the show actually sought out the grateful dead to do the music so uh, we're going to probably deal i mean at least for the intro music we know we have them i don't know how much of the music they did for the entire series but we'll figure that out as we go along um but anyway so yeah new new year new new series let's just get into this air date for this episode well parts one and two or a and b uh is september 27th 1985 uh number one song was money for nothing by dire straits um it's it's a fun song uh and then also number one film um the um, I don't know why I didn't get the Oscar that year. Invasion USA, the with, Canon uh, classic with Chuck Norris. Canon um, had a big year that year, which we'll get into that in future sure. episodes yeah. here. Yeah, like I, I mean, Invasion USA is fun, but after a while, like, can it be done now? Like, it just keeps going. I but, still haven't seen it, I, and I, I, I haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, Chuck Norris's films. Um, recently while I was sick, I ended up watching a lot of Canon films, and one of them was a Hero into Terror. Which was around this time too released. So, but yeah, but I guess I should have gotten to Invasion USA. That would have been befitting of it's this just moment. It's those things. It's like you're like this could have been like a half hour shorter and it'd been fine, you know. But yeah. it's it's like whatever. It's peak Norris. It's you know whatever. So. Toppled toppled the monster that is Back to the Future of that year too. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I just that's surprising to me that like Canon, um, like they they actually scored a number one hit and then people watch are like oh. And then they, I'm sure the box office just dropped <laughs> yeah. right after that. Yeah. Then Commando comes yeah, out. So yeah. it didn't it didn't quite have the staying power of Back to the Future. So no. Uh, also for day and date, uh, what I did find here is um, uh, Kalina, the first captive orca born at SeaWorld, um, as well as the first survive past infancy, is born at SeaWorld Orlando. So good for the whale, bad for uh, sea sea animals in general. Because you know, like the keeping of uh, of orcas at SeaWorld. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, what is it, blackfish or whatever. I've not seen that, but yeah. I'm sure I would. Just it's feel really depressing. Yeah. As a child, you're like, "This is amazing," and as an adult, you're like, "We are monsters." <laughs> yeah, the only thing. What was it? Um, there was was it a Robert Schimmel joke or something about how I took his kids to SeaWorld, and then they went to get lunch and they were served fish. He's like, "What are these? The ones that didn't fall in line?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't bring the ball back. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Jerry. You didn't quite make it today. I'm like, all right, just top in the fryer. Um, no. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm glad that uh, Kalina survived. But also, um, orcas, orcas remember. Orcas are, you know, they have a long memory, so just watch out. That's what I'll say. Yeah, um, I've seen orca. I've, I've seen orca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. It has, it has a Keenan win in it. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, 
Anyway, so that's your uh, day and date. Uh, let's just get into uh, who did what here. Yeah, all right. So uh, to get right into it, uh, director here. I don't know if you heard of this dude before. Mr. Wes Craven? Um, maybe. Maybe. How about I mean, Scream? I mean, I've seen... Um, I've seen Vampire in Brooklyn. That's about uh, it. Oh, and uh, yeah, what is it? Ghost of Mars. All the no, classics. Well, he yeah. did Ghost of Mars. That was Carpenter. Oh, was that Carpenter? Uh, he did the other one with ghosts and... Oh, I uh, don't know. No, vampires. Didn't he do, he oh, did vampires. Carpenter vampire. did vampires Yeah, that's well. a, that's what I was yeah. getting confused with. I, I didn't see either one of those. <laughs> they looked like hot trash. Well, Wes Craven did... Uh, what was it? Was Music from Another Room. That was like his one dramatic film that he oh, had to do. Oh, yeah, and he couldn't like break that. the shell that is... Yeah. Uh, but he was owed one, at least, to get out there and do something different. Yeah, so. well, but, we, we love Wes Craven. Yeah, Wes yeah. Craven. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, uh, Last House on the Left, Hills yeah. Have Eyes. The man. Red Eye is actually a pretty fun film. That's too. a good movie. Yeah. Really good movie. Yeah. Uh, Born in Cleveland. Uh, and so this was actually his first of seven segments for the 80s Twilight Zone. He's a, he's going to be directing the next one we'll be covering too next week. Yeah. So, you know, for you know, however long the, you know, the series runs, I mean, we got, we're getting some input from him. So that's, or sorry, output from him. So we, I think that's great. Gone too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it seemed like a pretty down to earth guy. Heck yeah, I I love the interviews with him and that. He just seems like he's a mellow dude. Loved all the people that he's ever worked with, had nothing but good things to say about him in all the interviews I've ever heard. So he just seems like uh, that one guy you're like, Hollywood didn't get you, man. I'm glad. And so this, uh, so this, at least with this segment, and I'm sure the next one as well, this was between right after he had just re- finished Nightmare on Elm Street and before he would go on to make Deadly Friend. So it tells you how early in his... Deadly Friend is so good. <laughs> yeah, right. In his career he is. So, I love Deadly Friend. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pure 80s garbage for, uh, you know, just being a cinematic movie but it is is so fun have you ever seen it i have it's been oh, forever so though. ridiculous yeah. <laughs> that's this the head explosion with the basketball is just that's worth seeing like that you just have to see it for that yes but, i agree <laughs> <laughs> but um next year we have our writer we have two credits for our writer uh, the story is uh, credited for uh, harlan ellison uh, born in Cleveland as well. Yes. And, uh, uh, so here, I got a lot about Harlan Ellison. I don't know what you have about him. Uh, uh, just to give him the, the credits that I knew okay, uh, from ahead. IMDb, yeah. worked on uh, five episodes uh, of this, like the 80s rendition. So in one format or another, he would you know teleplay or the story in general. Um, he uh, did the uh, another story that was in Love, Death, and Robots, which you have covered on your other podcast, which... I love Love, Dev, and Robot. That's a fun. That's another fun anthology series, people. If you're not seen that, go check that yeah, out. Please check that out. So, um, yeah. So Harlan Ellison was actually he was a creative consultant on this version of the Twilight Zone. So even though he only had a handful of his works in here, he was always kind of around um, with this. So I just hear uh, according to the Wikipedia and some other things. Let me run through a lot of this because this guy I should I should know better by now because Harlan Ellison's like one of those pillars of like science fiction writing. I I know this. I have not read anything he's written, right? But here, let's just run into this. Robert Block, the guy who wrote Psycho, described Ellison as the only living organism I know whose natural habitat is hot water. Like, because like he got, so Ellison attended Ohio State University for 18 months before being expelled. He said that his expulsion was for, for hitting a professor who uh, denigrated his writing ability. And over the next 20 or so years, he sent that professor a copy of every story that he published. <laughs> <laughs> right so the t- t- this guy um no runs spite hot, no spite there runs hot and always carries a grudge uh ellison's screenplay for the star trek episode the city on the edge of forever has been considered the best of the 
79 series, 79 episodes in the series. Uh, even then he um, was not happy how it turned out. And I guess there's a book that has like multiple revisions of the script and his writing process about it. So that sounds interesting. Um, Ellison was, was hired as a writer for Walt Disney Studios, but was fired on the first day after Roy Disney overheard him in the studio commissary joking about making a pornographic animated film featuring Disney characters. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be typical in, on a, yeah, know, right. no. on the campus there. Yeah. So, so far, so good, right? Um, Stephen King requested that Ellison provide a description of himself um, and his writing in uh, Don's uh, Macabre. Uh, macabre, Don's Macabre. That's how you say it. That's Stephen King's nonfiction book on horror. If people have not read that, it's really interesting. Uh, it provides a lot of insight in his process and his breaking down of horror in general. So um, Ellison described himself as my work is a four square for chaos. I spend my life personally and my work professionally keeping the soup boiling. Uh, gadfly is what they call you when you are no longer dangerous. I much prefer troublemaker, malcontent, desperado. I see myself as a combination of Zorro and Jiminy Cricket. My stories go out from here and raise hell. From time to time, some uh, denigrator or critic with umbrage will say of my work, he only wrote that to shock. I smile and nod precisely. Like, he just like, it's one of those things like, you know, if you get complacent and you don't, you don't keep pushing buttons, no one's going to care and you're not going to matter anymore. It's kind of where he's at with that. So always pushing forward. Like, uh, so also this is other things that, uh, I, um, I think it's funny. He, he played a recurring minor character in the animated TV series, Scooby-Doo mystery incorporated from 2010, 2013 voicing a fictionalized version of himself. (laughs) 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 He also appeared on an episode of the Simpsons, uh, which he, uh, he met Barton Milhouse and parodies his contention that the film, the Terminator uh, used ideas from his stories. So this guy is just, he is um, uh, just a landscape, you know, to, to get into like, and that's not even like, I'm sure there's plenty of other stories about this guy just being a rabble rouser. And just like, I'm sure a lot of people didn't like him and other people just adored him. But either way, you, you do not want to get in his way, you know, like, and, uh, he actually, um, and I'll get to this a little bit later. He, since he was the creative consultant on this age twilight zone. And actually this was his story that the teleplay we'll talk about in a second. Um, the, the the DVD set that uh, myself and Terry have of the series come with commentary tracks. And for the first segment, Saturday, there's two commentary tracks. And he has one all by himself. And just listening to him talk and some of his opinions, um, th- that might be worth the price of the DVD set alone if he has commentary tracks on everything else because um, he doesn't hold back his opinions about things. And it's quite irritating. <laughs> huh. All right. Um I'm already a fan and not read a single word this guy's written. Yeah. You know? so I, I definitely want to check out more of his I, material I, I at this just point. just feel like him and Charles Beaumont would have gotten along beautifully. I just feel like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great that, uh, you know, we can say that he's the pride of Cleveland too. So that's, uh, sure. It's, uh, it's I'm all, sure he had plenty yeah. of probably really positive things to say about Cleveland. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. yeah. He's, he seems like a badass in Boiling my Boiling hot water, yeah. river on fire, not, not different things. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, next here, we, uh, the next credit for writing is that uh, the teleplay was adapted by, uh, by Alan uh, Bernier. I think Br- it's Bernert. I think it's Burnett. Burnett. Yeah. Um, yeah. The R and and there. Oh, there whatever. There's like there's a couple R's. It's, yeah. It's, so, but anyways, um, he worked on ten of the uh, Twilight Zone episodes from this run as well. Um, did an episode of Dark Room and some L.A. Law. So. 
Yeah. So um, I don't know if they gave him because he has like teleplay credits and then some written by credits. So yeah. uh, uh, overall, I, I, I per my notes, I could be wrong. I have 14 segments. We'll see. Sounds like he's written a lot. And actually, uh, according to some of the commentary stuff, like he, they were brought him in first to kind of um, like get like a, a focus on what what they believe the Twilight Zone should be. Mm. Um, so he wrote some Wonder Woman TV scripts as well. Was a producer and writer on LA Law, which that ties into the last episode because we talked about LA Law for a second. Um, you mentioned, I think you mentioned Our Limits. If not, um, I did not. But yeah, yeah that, that was like the the eighties rendition of that as well. Yeah. So Harlan Ellison, which we just talked about, uh, said that Brinnett was the only writer he would allow to adapt his works. So, and which he does say that in the track, like commentary track, like he's the only one I would trust. And uh, it looks like uh, Burnett actually wrote a lot for DC Comics as well. Oh, nice. That's cool. Um, and then uh, into our cast, uh, unless you had any other like side notes there for the production No, I just think that we're going to get some more Burnett, which, you know, this would be kind of great to actually have, build a new vocabulary of uh, people doing things. You know what I mean? Like in terms of we had our foundation with the Sterling Twilight Zone and the writers there and some of the directors and, and you know, people in the, you know, the background it'll be nice to kind of go forward and actually like figure out some, some new identities. Yeah. Especially since the, uh, you know, there's going to be some building, uh, towards what we know is like foundational writing here. This is nearly 40 years ago. So it's like, these people are going to make names for themselves one way or another. Like, uh, the first cast member here, maybe you guys might've heard of him. Uh, Bruce Willis. I just, I mean, I remember Hudson Hawk and liking it. Bruce Willis. Yes. Like, Dude, this is awesome. So this is what around the time that was in um, uh, Moonlighting. Yeah. So this was his second named credit speaking role, and it turns out I found out today uh, that he had already shot six episodes of Moonlighting when coming into this because mm-hmm. uh, ABC what well, they didn't give the go ahead for the rest of the season yet. Okay. So he shot the episodes. I don't know if they had actually aired yet, but um, talk about like right place, right time, where. I don't think the Twilight Zone could have afforded him even six months later. Oh, know? hell no. Like, just because... Just but they might be able to afford him now on the budget they had back sure, then because sure. of all the all this stuff that is just straight to DVD that's coming out now. Like, yeah. him and Nicolas Cage must have, like, a mountain of taxes to Well, well at least off. Nick Cage is very... Like, he will lean in and, and give him... He'll, he, will, he will give the performance. Like, you know, Bruce Willis is like, I you know... He just doesn't give a shit anymore, and it's <laughs> and, 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 and no, it's it's kind of sad because he's a really interesting like you know actor when he wants to be. And, right. And in this, we'll talk about his performances and like you know, and I think for for again for this being like really really early in his career, you could tell he was swinging for the fences in the right ways. You know, um, like I like Bruce Willis. It's just you just hear like you know over time something happened. Like he. There is a story about him buying like a small town in like um like I don't know like the like Montana or something that he just he owned and was going to do something with and the thing is like the buildings there the people that live there were like well Bruce Willis owns this now and it got really weird I don't like so <laughs> I, I don't know um but like of course like this like a couple years later he would do Die Hard which would send him to the moon you know yeah. uh, even though he wasn't the first chosen for that like it thank yeah. God it worked out for him because I mean it was he, supposed he, to be Frank Sinatra right and originally like one of the original project ideas for Die Hard was supposed to be Frank Sinatra really yeah I didn't know that I know that he, Frank Sinatra was supposed to be the original Dirty Harry uh okay well maybe that's well, I know you're right about that I just. Yeah. Yeah, but there were some other people that were supposed to be going into this. I, no, and I could be no wrong. Kidding. Market people, that could be my first I think real it mistake. Was, I think they were trying to get Sly on that. Fair enough. And he was just like too big of a price tag 
because yeah. with all the other you know production of that movie, I mean it's a it's a hell of a movie. You know, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. People, sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, great movie, Christmas movie thing. I think it's getting a little. I think that gets a little old. But whatever. Oh, what? here, just yeah, whatever. Like, uh, but uh, what, what what would you say your favorite role is? Just because uh, oh, I think Bruce everybody Willis? knows who Bruce Willis is oh, at this geez. point. That's a that's a hard one. I mean, like I obviously Die Hard's great. Um, I uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I, I like a great deal too. Um, I mean, even like Sixth Sense, he's really good in that. Like, yeah. I just uh, also like I, I want un- Unbreakable. Like that's, I mean, we're talking. A little oh, he's later. great. Yeah. Too, yeah. Just, yeah. One of my favorite movies, and it's not necessarily because uh, of his role in it, but I love, um, uh, oh, geez, what's it called now? I'm just, <laughs> I, I just had it. Um, who, who else is in it? Uh, it's the, the one well, I mean, where Pulp everybody Fiction dies. Uh, uh, is it Pulp Fiction? No. A lot of people die in Pulp Fiction. Oh my God. Uh, um, the one where everybody like, dies. Yeah. Like his girl, his wife dies. Uh, Damn, why can I not remember it now? <laughs> well, either way, yeah, he's been in he's been in so so many movies, and it's like at this point now, if you don't know who he is, it's it's like you're bad, I guess. Well, I'm I'm curious which movie it is where everybody. Dies. Oh, death becomes her. Death becomes. Oh, okay. Well, that would okay. Yeah. One of the best dark comedies. Fair I swear, yeah, that's, that's it a is. Good one. It's so ridiculous. The storyline in that, so sorry, I just I had it, and then it like, just like, immediate brain fart. Like, is that the one where everybody dies? No. I also no. like uh, Last Boy Scout a lot. This. Oh such, yeah, that's a good call. It's just it's so cheap, like popcorn. Like that's I, it's such a popcorn movie. I, I like the Last Boy Scout. It's been forever since I've seen that, but, but I do enjoy that. But no, yeah, so. Just, uh, Bruce Willis plays uh, Peter Novis. He, yeah, he plays Peter Novins, and he also second uh, credit I'll say here is uh, Bruce Willis is Peter Novins. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. So, and then next here we have uh, Dan Gilvenez. Gilvenez. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Gilvazan. I think. Yeah. Um, he plays a bartender in this. Uh, he plays in one more uh, Twilight Zone episode coming up. We'll talk about that later. Uh, lots of voice work. Uh, he did like the Spider Man and like uh, this. There was an '80s Spider Man cartoon. He was he did voices in Gem, uh, Transformers. I mean, he's still doing voice work for a lot of cartoons and that. Like, yeah. this dude is making paychecks. He dude. was he was the voice of Bumblebee in the animated movie. So yeah. I don't know if he's the in one. the original. Yeah, in the original Transformers, the movie, yeah. he was Bumblebee in that. I don't know if he's the one that says "oh shit" or the other one. Like, but there's a, definitely a bit where one of the robots, one of the Autobots, say "oh shit" out loud. So you can it's tell probably jazz. It's probably it's a serious. <laughs> serious Transformers yeah. movie when you have cartoon robots swear. Yeah. And then uh, next year we have a, uh, this one's difficult for me. It's a single name. Um, I think it's Murica. 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 It's M-U-R-U-K-H. So I think it's Murica. I pretty much at this point now, I'm just going to say the names and uh, the roles of these people. I don't, I wasn't really familiar with any of the names and they played such bit roles that I wasn't, I didn't think well, it was Well, with this necessary. person, that was the only credit they played. They were the bank teller. Yeah. So that then, was it. And then it kind of goes down a slippery slope after that. For well, I, have a, I have a couple here. So Okay. Um, so uh, John uh, Carlo, Carlisle, Carlisle, he plays the clerk. Where, what clerk? Um, I, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, do you have any uh, notes for him? Yeah, I do, actually. He is, um, and I just hear, I got to throw these out here. This will blow your mind. <laughs> Hawaiian Eye. Oh, what? <laughs> get the hell out of here. Uh, see, that's what I get for not. I just figure like no one else has real like real screen time here. Yeah, I just think with this one, like it just blows my mind because we go 30 years forward 
after getting well, 20 plus years forward, right after the original series where there was yeah. plenty of connections to some like, like Hawaiian private eye show, like detective show called Hawaiian eye that we saw so many connections with. And the very first segment of the new series, it's almost like, it's almost like we got like the blessing from the old series to be like, it's okay. You guys can move forward. <laughs> Hawaiian eye is here. He was also an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents amazing stories. So yeah, that I, I was surprised that um, I was stoked to see the Hawaiian eye connection. Wow. Well, I, kudos to you, dude. Yeah. Um, but next here we have, uh, What's it? Uh, Seth Isler. Yeah, uh, he plays the alter ego. Is yeah, it's a credit here? There, you'd see the back of his head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I didn't really note anything there. Uh, if you had anything, uh, only only appearance in the series. Forty three credits. Wouldn't be able to recognize him because back of his head. Yeah, so uh, Anthony uh, Grumbich is the the bellboy in this uh, episode. I. Wasn't no, the, only five credits, but he was in Perfect Stranger, so that made me very happy. Yeah, and then uh, the only other thing I want to credit here is the narrator. Yes, so we have a brand new narrator, no more Rod Serling, so uh, sad, but uh, it's a uh, Charles Adman, uh, Adman, I think it's Aidman, Aidman. Aidman. Charles Adman. Yeah. Uh, he has some uh, stock in the old episodes of The Twilight Zone, he was in two of the episodes, Little Girl Lost, and When the Sky Was Opened. Yes, and um, so I, he's going to be doing the narration for like the first 30 episodes. I don't know how many segments that is and then it's going to shift, but yeah, we'll have him and he does a good job. Like, yeah, but I also like again, I uh, just like we had uh Burgess Meredith for the, the Twilight Zone, the movie. It's like, yeah, give me some footing coming into this. Yeah, so. Kudos to the, you know, the editors and the, not editors, but well, the producers, producers and everything else to, to get somebody who has some kind of link to the old episodes like that. That's cool. You know? Yeah. So there you go. That's that's cast, crew, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so should we get into uh, the first segment? Here it is Saturday, and right. I have I have uh, Mr. Aidman's uh, dialogue here. Let's get in, let's let Mr. Aidman take it away. Some push for what they need. Some push for what they want. Some people like Peter J. Novins just push. If they do it hard enough and long enough, something might just push back. From the Twilight Zone. I get that there's kind of a natural feeling of like having the bar noise, but it's like that. Just, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like it almost feels like, hey, Aidman, I know like you and Serling are like, you know, going to the diner. But it's like, you know, can we just do a take without like having dish service in the background or bottle service? I don't know. It's it's weird hearing. It's, right. it's going to be it's a whole new world, people. <laughs> but yeah, good, good narration, effective opening. Great voice yeah. for it, too, yeah. man. I, I, I love it. It's a. Uh, it's definitely like creepy enough. Yeah. This makes you, you know, want to not drink and drive or smoke, you know, because yeah. that's the law. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, let's just get into this. So, so uh, the, the opening of this is unique to us anyway, the way like which I dig. It's an image of Bruce Willis and then it breaks like a part like a mirror and you see the title in the best 80s special effects that <laughs> they could offer. Like, did you ever seen Mirror Mask? Um, yeah, I saw part Neil of it. Gaiman. That, that's the, yeah. Yeah. It's like Jim Henson like that. If you want to see like the worst 80 special effects stuff, like computerized special effects, watch that movie. Okay. It is trash. And it just reminded me of that. I hate to say it like that. Fighting words coming out and being like, Oh, that Neil Gaiman movie that the Henson company produced. God, it was <laughs> terrible. It's a terrible movie. I don't care who is mad at me right now. Okay. That's 
but hey, like, guys, we're, we're moving into a new attitude. <laughs> hey, man, it's 2022. Yeah, we're, a lot's we're, happened. Okay. We're going to be wearing like keyboard ties or whatever, like the small skinny ties, getting like, like the electric guitars. It's the 80s. We're going to, it's new attitude. Yeah. Fox seagulls here. Pretty much like this music in this. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's uh, like watching, uh, you know, Money for Nothing, the video. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I pretty much look like that older warehouse guy, and I'm I'm that I'm that blocky too. So mm. all right, I just need a cigar. Um, yeah, but the 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 breakaway of the the mirror, and then it reforming and us starting off our story, it was cool. I dug that, um, and I also like that in a in a story that runs twenty minutes. We end up getting like uh, day one and like day two. We actually get like little story beats, but progression, we meet, yeah. But we meet uh, Novins. Um, he's at the bar. Uh, he's going to call his girlfriend, but as he's sitting there, he realizes that he called the, his own phone number. And uh, I'm talking within the first like two minutes of the story. This is this is your hook because the phone picks up on, a, on the other end, and it's a person that sounds exactly like him, and uh, thus becomes like. The whole crux of this episode is these conversations back and forth between, um, which I'm now going to call uh, business novens and home novens. Home, like, homely novens. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it's the other guy. Yeah. Actually, it's home novens and homely novens. Yeah. Or novens or whatever. Noven, yeah, novens. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, he, like, he, the one at the bar is like, you can't be there. Like you're not, you're, you're, it's a goof. You're messing with me. And you know, I, I know what number I called and it's, it's it, the dialogue's interesting enough. And Willis plays it. Cause like the camera, this isn't a, a, um, they're not hiding anything. Cause the, the story then cuts to, um, Peter Novins as well at home on the phone. Right. It, it isn't like, this is a big reveal. It's like, I mean, it is to start the story, but this isn't, this isn't a twist. Like it's tell, well, you know what I mean? It's like they're not hiding it from you. It, so. It's like last night of a jockey where we, we get the main character talking to a voice that sounds exactly like him. Yeah, that's fair. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so we know that isn't the hook of the story or in terms of like, that's not the mystery. Right. So it, it becomes back and forth where, you know, the one that's out and about, you know, business novens is like, well, you know, I'm, you know, you better leave or, you know, I'm going to like, it becomes a whole like threatening back and forth. There's a lot of a really good chewy dialogue between Bruce Willis and himself. And, um, if we went through line by line of this, we would be sitting here for 20 plus minutes going through each line. Yeah. It is, yeah it's in a script it, reading. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard, it's these, this to me. And before we start recording, we we're talking about like how much legs will a story have with like these smaller segments, the potentially this runs just a little shy of what the original series runtimes were right and um so with this with this being so dialogue heavy um the the idea and the interplay between personal and a phone this feels very much like an original series idea for an episode uh it with, with like it would feel like serling where he's like i gotta write dialogue or two guys on the phone i can give it three hours right now like you know like that's what it kind of feels like where this is a very dialogue uh driven piece that um, it's also a character piece, right? But it's it's in terms of the A to B plot, it's like oh, Novins both both of them are aware of the other, and both of them believe they have a right to be here, right? And that that becomes the crux of the story of like who who is right, who is who who's the one that has the right of being the the Peter Novins. It does. It feels very much like the original series, and I like how it's how it's plotted out. We get the day by day sequences. We see the progression or really digression of like 
uh, of our main character. And it's it it feels a lot like that, like, be careful what you wish for, like, look inward. Like, so one thing that is very important about this episode, uh, this episode in particular, is he's looking in the mirror when he's sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. So it's very telling at that point, especially when you see the outcome here. So I love that opening. And these discussions that he's happening with other Peter is, you know, that it's not just somebody pulling his leg because not only does it sound like him, he's called his own apartment, but the dude has carnal knowledge of all the things that Peter, other Peter already knows about. Like there's no way that he could know about like some old high school buddy and like the career path that he had chosen. That was one of the questions that he posed to him. It's just all of these things are adding up to make, on the street, Peter. That sounds weird. Um, That's what I'm saying. The business, business Peter, or, or home Peter. No, business Novens, home Novens. Because I don't want to say the word Peter over and over. Again. <laughs> right. Um, like not, not. I mean, I'm not comfortable. This with the is word PG. Peter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just that. Like, I will also give the story respect that it, he pretty much snaps too. Like, this is the reality I'm in. Of like within like a few minutes, this isn't him doubting like that the other uh, Novens exists, and he che- he keeps on checking himself too because he makes a call in the bar. Then he's like, "All right, some dude is in my apartment. He's gonna go over to his apartment." He was like, "No, no, there's there's got to be something else." So we see this ancient thing that's on the on the side of the street, a payphone. Yeah, uh, I don't know if anybody would remember those, but they don't have very many of them anymore. So he goes into the payphone. Calls his apartment a, an again. An operating payphone. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, there's actually a, like a, a tele, yeah. there's a phone receiver connected yeah. to it at this point. And he calls his apartment again and he starts almost pleading to something, you know, like to God or whatever, to the heavens. Please don't answer. Please don't answer. Please don't be there. And the other N- N- uh, Novins answers the phone again. Yeah. So these are just things where it's like he's doubting the reality, but he knows that he's already like knee deep in whatever this is now. Well, it's like that thing whenever you know like something bad's happened and you're just like you're just hoping against hope that like it just it will not be correct, but that you know you know that something is messed up, right? Right. And and, and also credit to like uh Willis, like he, like the way he plays um, you know, business novens, how he starts like being very aggressive and very like threatening, and how home novens is very like calm and direct. Um, to like, you know, for someone like blue, Bruce, blue, blues, Bruce, Bruce, Will, Willis. blue, blues, clues, Willis, um, no, <laughs> um, you know, it has the same hairline as the first, uh, was it Steve or whatever that kid, that guy was <laughs> the blues clues. Um, he, he, we know him as being like, you know, he'll get like outrageous with some of his performances, right? Like even here in the bar or whatever, the bartender's like, Hey, you okay? And he's like, like he starts to go kind of get all like Bruce Willis there for a second. He's like, nah, ah, like he just like leaves. It goes to the payphone. It's like you, like that's the kind of gear that you find Bruce Willis going into later like, right. in terms of his career. But here it's like, he kind of keeps it together, but he's playing it very rattled. And I like that. And then seeing him also, be more subdued when he's playing the other half, the other that works too. And just knowing where we know his career will go, it's kind of refreshing to see him like really trying, but also like not, um, not overdoing it, at least in front of the camera. There's a little bit of trivia later about the links he went for this performance, but I, it, it would only work if you had one side staying calm. 
You know, like otherwise it would have been like, well, you're both dicks. Well, I would argue both of them are anyway, but we'll, we'll, get, there. we'll get there. Uh, so yeah, like there are so, a couple of Peters. Yeah, <laughs> like, verified Peters, um, unverified dicks. That's what we're going to, we're going to, we're going to verify some dicks later. So, um, no, so, uh, business Nevins is like, you know, Hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the landlord that you're an imposter. Also like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do all this stuff. So when you have to leave the house, I'll be waiting for you. And so then we get to like the next day, um, I'll put uh, the jungle gym. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going yeah, to come out there and, and we're going to, we're going to fight. But then uh, home, home, uh, Nevins makes the point. He's like, you, you understand. He's like, like, we can't occupy the same space, which is kind of like this, like back to the futurist, you know, kind, yeah, like, kind of, you know, whatever, like time cop logic. Right. Yeah. So, there, that's yeah, a better sure, analogy. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, but that was part of time cop. Like don't, don't, yeah. don't touch, don't touch yourself. That was, yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> every time this, I this, think about now, yeah, every, this episode's getting weird. Uh, so, um, already, but like the next day we got a business novens in a hotel room and he actually goes to a bank and actually and pulls all the money out of the bank of, of an account that he knows that the other one knows about. And then at that point he's in a hotel room going about like taking away like a uh, grocery service, all this stuff. Like he has like a little list. He's like he's making to complaints too, which is not nice because like if he ever tries to go in there, they're going to be like, Oh, that's the dick. Yeah. Right that's there. that guy right there. Right. That's yeah. The Peter. That's no. the Peter right there. <laughs> so he's trying to burn bridges on purpose to, 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 to actually smoke out the, the one at home. It's clever. I yeah, mean, I especially mean, closing the account too. Yeah. I think that's smart. And then while this is going on, he's paying the bellboy um, like a couple bucks to go grab him some like antacid or something. Cause he has a stomach ache and you can see his hairs. Uh, you know, he's just easily disheveled, Right. But then he talks to, you know, the one at home and he's like, Hey, you know, I took all your money. And then, and then uh, uh, home, home Novens is like, you remember that couple hundred dollars that you had tucked away here? He's like, yeah. Like how he's like, I have enough groceries to last through a siege. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I like, I just, if it was me, my siege would last two days where I'm like, I don't, I, I don't have any pizza rolls left. I guess I got to go out. That's an Uber eats for me in a night. <laughs> like, dude, yeah, right, right. I'm crushing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, like I, they could drop it off at the door. I don't have to actually leave like the apartment. Grizzle grizzly or whatever like, that I, yeah. I need alcohol now. Right. So, um, but, um, they, they keep going back and forth a little bit and both of them have a theory about why they are split and which is okay. I like, see, this also feels very, twilight zone to me where like we never get a distinct answer and that's fine because this is a 20 minute story and if you go try and explain every single little thing away then it's just you lose the magic of it right and it's like this is just it's just a person with the problem it's weird and we'll see how it resolves and as long as you keep it vague enough i'm not going to be mad at what happened right you know? like because you know me like i will I will sometimes get in the, the, the corners of a story and be like, why did they, they do this? This doesn't make sense here. It's like, well, we don't know, you know, we, you called me, you know, and we're, and we're split. So, um, yeah. So then at that point, uh, also home Novens is like, yeah, by the way, I talked to you, talk to our mom and the, it finds out that, um, business Novens has been avoiding his mom for a number of years and has been lying to her cause he, he can't deal with the guilt of uh, being a bad son and not taking care of her. So, and then home Novens is like, don't worry, she's coming to stay w- with me. And then uh, the, I like when uh, business Novens is like, what? Like he, <laughs> he's about to do the Homer Simpson and rip his hair out. Like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, 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 Oh no, no, no. I, I have become future Willis. Uh, so, so yeah, that's what happens there. And then, so we get to like the next day, which is day three called wounds day or wound day. 
yeah, Wednesday, which I like. I liked a little different name. Yeah, that was things. interesting. I, yeah. I liked where they were going with that. Um, so then he, uh, you know, he's outside. Uh, was business Novins is outside. I think it's in the rain. He's in a phone booth uh, looking up, uh, talking to um, home Novins. And there's a cool little shot of him in the phone booth with the rain. And you get like the shot through, you know, like through the rain, through the phone booth to, to Willis. Um, and like they're talking back and forth and it's like this, it's basically, uh, you get the idea that, um, business Novins, he's like, I think I have the flu. I'm fine. I have a headache. And you can just tell everything's going downhill for him. Right. And home Novins is like, you know, basically just, he's being, I don't know, like he's supposed to be the good guy in the story. I don't take him as a good guy. I don't know if that version of Novins is any better. Like he's taking responsibility, but it's almost like he's still lording it over him himself. Right. You know, like maybe you can tell me I'm wrong. I never got the idea that home Novins was like the better one. I think he was still kind of a jerk, but like in his own way, he was kind of malevolent and like, and uh, power hungry at that point too, because he's, he's calling all these shots and there's no real way for, uh, on the street Novins or whatever, like to be, uh, to have any like pushback, I mean, everything that he was trying to do to gain his life back, Home Novins already was one step ahead of him, yeah. and he was he was also at the same point, um, you know, cutting him off at the legs because we find out that um, on the street Novins is some kind of broker, some kind of deal maker, and yeah. he he's going out and he's cutting deals. And there's sometimes shady deals, but he still wants to get paid. And if he figures, well, if I don't pull this deal, then somebody else is going to get the deal. And then I'm not going to make the money. But these are the kind of deals that somebody's going to be losing their jobs or or these people are going to regret these decisions yeah. later on. It's just it's just shady. Yeah, because he, he's uh, justified to himself that. Um, well, if someone doesn't make the money, I'm like, I'm, I'll make the money. If someone's going to make it, I might as well be the one to make right. it. But then, um, like home Novins is like, yeah, because you don't like people. And, um, you know, business Novins is like, well, I don't like some of the stuff that they do. And he, it's like, he basically found out he's like that kind of, he's very hypocritical. Like he'll judge people for what they do, but he's just as guilty as they are for like the same shit that he's doing. Um, so you got like, you know, you got on the street business Novins, like getting like, you know, like. He, there's realities that he can't run away from. Right. And, and a home Novins is just giving it to him, letting him know what's up. And it's like, okay, you know, and at one point they're like, you know, um, let's figure out like the, maybe whoever deserves to be Peter gets to be Peter. And it's like, okay, fine. Right. And then the next, the next time it's day five, it's uh, called free day. Uh, home Novins uh, ends up calling, um, calling business Novins who's in a hotel room who just looks wrecked. Like he looks like he's just like never on death doors step, yeah. you know? Um, and he was like telling him about like, yeah, you know that there's other situations that like there was a woman that you were seeing, she had a kid and you put them up in an apartment, then you got bored. So you just like abandoned them. And then there's also another person that, you know, I'm, I'm making amends with. And it's like, he's, you know, home Novins is like doing all the things that, you know, Peter would not have done otherwise. But again, it still feels like he's like, I'm doing this to shove it in your face of like how much better I've become as this person. Um, and then at one point, um, he's like, uh, the home Novins is like, yeah, we've gotten back together and we'll make sure to name the first one after you. It's like, what, what are you going to call him? 
other Peter Jr. If you have a child, like, could be like, oh, I named him after my other self. It's a weird thing. You 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 had to be there. You know, like, <laughs> like, Here's my son, Peter Peter. Like, no, no don't do that. You know, anyway. <laughs> Peter Peter, pumpkin Junior. eater. Peter Peter Jr. You know, um, yeah. P B uh, and J. No, I, I don't know. know. I don't anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, weird, right? So, like, I just, but then we get to the end, of, which is, uh, um, you know, Saturday, day six, right? And that's like, we get to the, I mean, this, we just rocket through all of this, right? And that's when we see, um, you know, Business Novin's like, just, he is just death warmed over and his breathing is erratic and it's just, it just hurts to see, you know? And, and, um, we get a, we get a good, uh, the way Craven shoots this, um, there's no, there's no screen doubling. There's no like lines. Like there's no weird camera effects. It's just a nice double shot with a stand-in. Pretty and, simplistic yeah. stuff, yeah. And I'm sure that was also because of budget and everything too. Yeah, but it also worked. It just looks better yeah. if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And so we get like um, home, you know, Novin's coming in and basically being like, you know, I got the key from the front desk. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, it's because like, you know, I'm I am like, you. I, I am you. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of have this moment of like, you know. Um, he uh, he believes that he was the like the shadow when it first happened, but now he's becoming the self. And um, business Novins is like, yeah, I'm becoming the shadow. And he's like, no, and he's like, no, you're not. You're becoming a memory. And it's like, oof, that's even worse. I think you know. Yeah. But somehow business Novins, who ends up like sitting up on the desk, curled up with a blanket, and looking out the window, it's like he he he's finding peace in a weird way. Like like at least you know at least you got it straight. So, so yeah, some semblance of closure almost. Like yeah, like you won. I don't know what else to say. I I don't have any yeah. fight left in me. Yeah, and that's where we kind of like we kind of leave it where they shake hands and uh, business Novins just he just fades away. Like you know, out you know he's gone and that's it. Like, um. Yeah, that's your story. I know we kind of ran through it, but that's your story. Is just it, it? This is more the dialogue and the performance of Bruce Willis against himself. Meaning, um, not that I'm taking away from the story whatsoever. It's just that it's because it's so dialogue boom, 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 boom. It does. I mean, the whole. I don't feel like a single minute of the twenty minutes is wasted. It's just that in terms of the plotting, it's like it. You know, to talk about it, it's a it's a real fast trot. Yeah, you know? and. Yeah. And, and and there's a lot more substance than what we can provide just in a podcast for you. Yeah. You really do have to see it. The performances are actually pretty pretty badass for a young a young Bruce Willis at this point. You know, just really getting his legs under him for acting. And I think I, I think he did a great job in this. And you know, I think he was really good too. I think it was surprising. Like I I didn't know um, that he like when I first put in um, the DVD to see you know the first episode. It's like oh shit, it's Bruce Willis. Like I did not know. Like now that we know how big of a star he is, it's like this is your you know pretty much your pilot episode of this new series. That granted, people didn't know him at the time, but it's like in hindsight, it's like I don't know like you, you that for being a eighty five. I don't know who you could have picked that would have been a better, like, here you go. Like this is, we're going to, we're going to make this our own and make you remember it. You right. Know? Like that's uh, you know, that was just, uh, they got real lucky in terms of like, you know, lasting appeal. It, especially say. in this kind of scenario. It's like, here we are looking back and it's like, obviously we know who the hell this dude is. Yeah. You know, it's not just some dude that faded out so quickly in the eighties. You know, like, well, here's this has been like, this guy actually has a, a very popular, like, demand as an actor well after this which feels very much like um 
it, maybe maybe it wasn't an intent, but it does feel like a nod towards the original series where they would find a lot of like you know staple not staple but like known people. Be like it adds a little bit of legitimacy to yeah. your product, right? And um, so I think that works. I think his performance here is great. Um, like uh, it 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 played better for me the second time through because I, I knew the arc of the story, and also then you see like some of the foreshadowing of business novens be like, you know, just the stomach ache, the headache, the flu, like, you know, it's how, like, like I was feeling it was almost like a, like a cancerous, like tumor type of thing of like, you know, like all the negative got separated from all the positive, which is what you're supposed to kind of take from this anyway. But I still, I still don't know if I trust home novens. He seems a little, a little sinister to me. Cause it just, I like, yes, he did fix things, but it just, would he have done that? if he wasn't trying to prove his, like his own justification to exist, right. you know, like, you know, it's just, um, um, there's an episode of Rick and Morty that, um, I, I don't think Terry has seen, uh, but there's one where Rick and Morty end up going to a spa and they come out feeling great. And it's because like they, they found out like their, their toxic selves got removed from them. And it's like, so their toxic selves are like their worst form of them, but they're like their toxin free versions are also very problematic. <laughs> like, so it was like almost like you have to kind of learn to live with yourself a little bit where this could maybe, maybe there could have been a better, like in terms of thinking about it from like, you know, good and bad or best person or worst person, maybe there's a middle ground there. But I know with this, it's more like you, you had one, one shot at your life and you were not doing well. What if, what if a better you came along and was like, you don't deserve this. I get that's the point of the story. Yeah. It like took the wheel and said, Hey, let me, let me fix some things that you had been screwing up and the people, you know, like mending those, uh, relationships that you've been like neglecting for the longest time. I I, I see that. I, I see where you're talking about like the sinister part, but I also see it being like, if this dude doesn't take control now and he shows that, you know, business Nova's has some kind of card to play here, then he's not going to be able to get through this and be the better person, be the better Peter of yeah. the two. You know, it's like, and it's very symbolic in, in like in the different uh, sequences here. You know, you see Peter looking in the mirror in the bar. He's a guy who's at the bar and he's having drinks. And it just, it feels very like, hey, I'm turning over a new leaf. So when he makes that call accidentally to his own apartment, he manifests this other person that should have been in control in the entire time. Like it's, I really enjoy that. Like when I thought about this episode and continue to think about it, I'm like, damn, this is a really deep episode. Yeah, no, there's a lot to dig in here. It's just, and I think there's a lot of ways to kind of, kind of look at it. And and, and credit to um, um, uh, Brent. Um, I'm going to find his name here because we're going to talk about him a lot, I'm sure. Brenard, uh, uh, Brenard, Alan Brenard. Brenard. Well, like, credit to him uh, for able to, to navigate this. And also, you know, credit to Ellison. Like, to, uh, he, um, so like I had mentioned previously, uh, there's a couple um, commentary tracks that go along with this episode on um, the DVD series. And again, can't recommend enough guys pick it up, please. I hope you have a way to watch this with us because that's part of this joy too. Is yeah, yeah. Getting into it, it, this. Uh, but he talked about how he was on a date one night and he went to go call somebody, he called him his own phone number by accident. And that just ticked off the idea in his head. It's like, yeah, that, that would do it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, this also feels very reminiscent of, I mean, this came later, but like the dark half, the Stephen King book. I'm glad you brought um, it up. Cause yeah. I was, I was thinking about it the entire time. Like we've been discussing this because again, like I was saying, that's like, 
you continue to think about this one. This one left an impression on me. Yeah. And I, you know, especially when you think about something like the dark half, that is definitely where you like you divide power and you try to make sure that they don't have more of it. Yeah. And 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 one is the one needs to succeed to, to overtake the other to still exist. Yeah. And there's, there's a Kuntz book too called uh, Mr. Murder that has a similar idea too. That's not bad. Uh, so yeah, I mean this whole like idea of self versus self, right. And the battle for one's own soul and personality, um, you know, that could be risen in many different ways. And, and I do, I do like this, you know? So I uh, know this was solid, solid little first outing, uh, for the series and not by little, I mean, yeah, it's one half of an episode, but if you, if you, um, I could see this easily, even even the same format it's in in terms of the storytelling, and put it into the 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 sixty series, this could have still really worked, right? You know, and it would have sure. been, you know, again, I wish I wonder what Beaumont would have done with this and had a crack at it. That'd have been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's cool. So I do have some other notes. I don't know if you have the notes from the episode. I do have some information from the commentary tracks. Uh, before we get to the twist. No, no. I, w- okay. What do you got there, buddy? So, uh, again, uh, supposedly, according to the producer, uh, Harlan Ellison would arrive at work in his bathrobe and just sit out like outside and type on his typewriter while smoking. Flush move. <laughs> um, at one point, uh, Brenner, Brenner was trying to write the intro bit because the dialogue and the story wasn't quite like fitting where they wanted the story to go in the teleplay because they needed the teleplay to be condensed and kind of get right to it. And they were having some problems with it. And, and Ellison didn't like the pages Brennan was bringing to him. So he's like, and Ellison's like, Hey, can I, you know, can I take a crack at that? And Brennan's like, sure, it's your, it's your work. You know? And so like the next day, Brennan's coming to work and Ellison's like working on his typewriter and he looks up at him. He's like, you son of a bitch. And, like, and, Brennan's, like, <laughs> and Brennan's like, yeah, it wasn't as easy as you thought it was. <laughs> like, I think that was great. But, you know, so I think that's pretty funny. I'm going to have to watch this like, uh, tonight with uh, the commentary. Yeah. Uh, so also Wes Craven described Bruce Willis as full of energy, which I don't think anybody would say that now, which I think is funny. Um, CBS was very supportive of this production. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever compared to the problems that we heard about the original series. Though the one producer said that CBS had plenty of notes about what they believed was to be a Twilight Zone episode. So I'm sure we'll learn more about that later. Um, and then also one of the people were mentioning this. They This is a very important, I think, because they said that the, the actual... Ratings were okay to start. They actually did pretty well. Um, this was intended to be a, TP, a 10 p.m. show, not yeah. not an 8 p.m. show. And so a lot of the content they got into was dark and messed up. And and they're like, um, we don't know if CBS understood what they had. And, and they're also worried that they may be um, scared away viewers because of how extreme it was. I was I was really surprised that they would have something in that kind of time slot. Like, do we really put things on that late anymore? Like, well, I mean, outside of SNL, like no, like, 10 p.m. Being like, late. I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, especially even like CBS now, that's where they put a lot of their um, their cop shows and stuff. Like, there's a lot of 10 p.m. dramas. Really? They play. Huh. Yeah. It's, it, uh, you know, look. I don't. At I don't watch shows. So. I mean, we we watch things via streaming now, right? So yeah. whatever's available, if you like. But if you look. That's when you got your law and orders and things. They come on it like because oh. there was always that kind of idea that at a certain point in the evening you could bring out like the more uh, grown up stuff. And then right? we can have the sex line numbers yeah, come yeah, up. And- <laughs> yeah, Klondike Five. If you want to, Bruce Willis's are available right now to talk to you about Peters. Uh, so um, no, it just so that was meant to be like like a, like a harder edged time frame, right? And so, um, but it was scheduled for eight CBS o'clock. CBS so, After Dark. Yeah. Uh, and now it's just when their audience goes to bed because they're all old. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, pretty much. So, um, yeah, 
so they, they, they were worried that maybe they scared away the audience after a little bit. And so, cause I'm guessing, cause they said something about like soon we're getting into some really messed up uh, territory, which thumbs up for I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah. Let's roll. <laughs> uh, so, um, they, they, one of the, one of the lines during the commentary track was, um, um, they, they think they scared people. Maybe they went too far. And someone said, we didn't jump the shark. We ate it, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, so Bruce Willis, uh, he, um, really when he got into, um, the, the hotel and was like, yo, just in agony, he would go in early and just get himself so worked up. And Craven talked about how he never worked with like a method actor before. And he would just be like screaming and crying and throwing the phone and all this stuff. And so what happened was, uh, he did this, he, he was doing these takes. And then by the time they got to shooting a lot of that, he had screamed himself hoarse. So he couldn't actually say the dialogue. Like he could whisper it. So, uh, two things about that. So, uh, one was, uh, Craven talked about how they had to do looping later. And back then that was really hard to do. And it worked out really well because they said it worked out better than they expected. But, uh, uh, Ellison has a comment about how he sat there and watched it all happen with Bruce Willis throwing his voice out. And he was like, you know, and Craven didn't say anything. And then, then later on, it's like, so they had to come back at Christmas during the Christmas season and do an 18 hour, uh, audio session. And because since Ellison was a creative consultant, and this was his story. He was in the, like in the booth with, with, um, everybody and his wife was there too. And he just, you have to listen, like Terry, do yourself a favor, listen to the, the, the commentary because the way he just kind of phrases it is like, you know, we could have avoided this if someone would have told Bruce Willis not to do this to so like start. Dial it <laughs> like, back a little bit. Wow. So he basically was shitting on Wes Craven. Like that's what he's saying. So whatever. He was like, he's like, I surely would have liked to have been out like with my wife, you know, partying or whatever he said. Like <laughs> so which, you know, he's a very very much a contrarian. I enjoyed his commentary track. Um, like I People, please buy the, the, the DVDs and listen to this stuff. But he also, one thing, too, this production did, which I did not know going into this, and that a lot of productions do not do. And this will, sorry, there's a quote I'll come back to in a second, is they actually had the writers uh, for every segment when they were shooting the segment, the writer was on set. That doesn't happen. Usually the writers, like, they turn their story and they're forgotten about. And this series, in this 80 series, they had creative the, the, the writer's always going to be there to kind of tap a shoulder and at least provide... Uh, uh, you know, context maybe that's great. I think that's wonderful. Right? No, but I think it was Brennett, um, that said, uh, by the time the series came out in the eighties, like people had forgotten how to watch anthology shows because they weren't sure what to make of it. Cause like the TV had been so like not serialized, but like it had a format of like, you know, these same characters and they go and do this and they go and do this. That, um, when this first came back, when it first came back to the air, people were wary of it because they're because they, the tone would shift because it's anthology and um, shame on the 20 ish years that like that existed too, because that like they, they moved away from it. And so how many like actually like profitable anthology series existed in the seventies and early eighties? Yeah, Well, not early eighties, but like the seventies, like the sixties and seventies, like you, like you certainly even said towards the end that he was upset that anthology, that they're getting away from anthology, but like he even had stuff like love American style and like other, other anthology series that weren't just, you know, uh, science fiction or horror. Like you had other things, but over time it just became more of a, a budget concern, right? Cause if you have the same actors, you can work that out better. And also too, in terms of like, if someone flips to the TV, the one night sees one story they don't like, they may never come back that same night next week. 
you know? And so it becomes this weird, like, um, generalization or sterilization of content. And not that I'm saying TV didn't take chances, whatever, but at least like, at least with the anthology and you can, you know, you could always be reaching for like the brass ring and you may not always catch it, but like there, there's more potential for more interesting things there. I believe at time. And at this time in the eighties, um, maybe people weren't expecting that, especially eight o'clock, you know, like, well, you know, and it's interesting that you do say it that way. And I, I, I think you, I have to agree with you because there are some purists out there that didn't want to watch the Jordan Peele produced show. And they gave like one episode a chance and then they just shat all over it. And it's like, you can't, you can't base everything on one episode. Like, you got to give all of it time to breathe. I, I never understand that whole, like, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's one thing, like, I understand. I make snap judgments. We all do. There's things that I'm like, that may not be for me. And maybe, and do I get a fair shake? Maybe not. And How, there's a lot of hands. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, too. Yeah, so, like. Well, what, what I'm saying is, like, just because maybe if I don't engage with something because it, at first glance it may not look for me, I'm not going to sit there and then be like, I'm going to make it a point to watch one episode and let everybody know about why I don't like this. Right. You know, and it's like. Calm down, especially anthology. You're right. Like, there's a lot of different people involved. There's like, I, it, this isn't my old school, like, rendition <laughs> yeah. of whatever. And, like, I'm going to shake my fist and put my, you know, my pitchfork in the air and be like, ooh, you yeah, know, right. like, I just didn't, it never made any sense to me. It's like, you could have good storytelling no matter what it was. And I'm really hopeful for this rendition of it. I haven't heard a whole lot of, like, good reviews about the eighties. But the thing is like version, um, one it's living in the shadow of Rod Serling. Correct. Two and two, um, it had two seasons on CBS and I think the third season was produced in Canada. Uh, we'll get there. I, I think I, if I remember my reading, right, cause they needed to hit a certain number for syndication. So I don't know if a certain point was like, well, let's get them out there. You know, I don't know if that's, and maybe that affects like the last third. We'll find out. Right. I mean, yeah. you and I went through season four of the original series. We can get there. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's fine. We can, we can, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we can get through anything. It's fine. But flashbacks, <laughs> right? No, it's just, so, um, maybe the reason this isn't talked about as much is because, it isn't black and white. It isn't Rod Serling. It isn't him. In front, like we don't have an narrator in front of the camera. Like there's a lot of things about this. This is different. Also, believe it or not, this segment was shot on film. You couldn't convince me of it because, because this is a DVD transfer. So maybe that wasn't that great. There's only a handful of segments, uh, in this new series that's going to be shot on film. The rest can be video, mm-hmm. which I will see how that looks because after watching, um, like, uh, monsters and tales from the dark side, it's like, you, there's a certain, a, like it doesn't age as well as black, like like black and white film, right? Like, but in terms of, there's something about that that's kind of ageless that also permeates the Twilight Zone. And it's also being black and white, it kind of it will mentally exist in a different space for you. I believe maybe yeah. maybe I'm talking about at my ass, but that's why I think that some of that imagery just strikes people because it's it's very you know the way it looks, you know, and and also you and I both know people fondly remember the original Twilight Zone for like seven episodes. You know, and then like after that, they're like, oh, I've seen every one of them. I'm like, you've seen all seven, like, you know, like right. whatever, like, so there's 163 or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, something like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I think like, I just remember when you posted about the, the sci-fi, uh, new year's day, like uh marathon, they started off with, um, 
Oh, what was that episode from season four that we hated? The parallel. The parallel. And I'm like, really? That's, that's how what gonna... they start. Like, I, was like, I was like, really? Well, Is that... You're going to lose everybody from the... That's the time where I shake my fist and be like, how dare you show that one I, first? I will say that I was excited that they did mix in... Some of the hour longs and yeah, some season five the, stuff. Like, good yeah. on them. Yeah. And if any of you guys have uh, were able to catch that marathon... Uh, Tell us how you felt about it. Tell us how uh, you think that sci-fi is handling that. Because I've never been able to watch it. I haven't had cable in like 10 years. so Yeah, me neither. And it's like, and But I'm sure it's still fun. I mean, there's only so many ways you can mix that up. Yeah. Right? So, But whatever. It's just, I think that, like, I went looking for books about this series in particular, the 80 series. I couldn't find any. So there's not been the same type of love given to this. And there may never be. And and that's that's okay, too. Um, just because it's not talked about a lot doesn't mean that you and I and all of you listening and those coming along with us on this journey that we're not going to find worth in it. And this is this to me is almost more intimidating uh, than the original series because everybody's seen that. Like, well, you know what I mean in terms of being written about and covered. Um, and I, I sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth where it's like, everybody's seen that seven episodes, but no, I mean like I have three different reference books for the original series and there's multiples more. Yeah. The amount know? of love yeah, is yeah, there. It's, yeah. it's prevalent and the amount of exposure for this is like zilch. That's I'm, I, I can't believe it's not gotten a Blu-ray re-release. I'm not, I don't understand why this isn't on Paramount plus. Yeah, like, I mean, it's you, probably all rights. You issue, have right? to own it at this point, right? Yeah. CBS, Paramount, whatever, like whatever you're called at this point. Like, yeah. and how much more would it cost to put that up there? Because I mean, like, you know, for goodness sakes, you have Are You Afraid of the Dark up there? You know, like, and I'm not comparing the two, but it's like, you know, sure. Yeah, and I, like, I think, you know, I think the newest um, printed version of the series came out in 2017. So there are there is a physical copy out there, folks. Yeah. So you have an ability to find this. And I don't believe it was really that much. Oh, no. Um, and, like, we own it. You should check it out. Like, if you can find it, borrow it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to take this journey. Get a time machine. Go back. Watch it when it came on. It was at 8 o'clock. It's an approachable time. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I, like, yeah. I'm excited to go through this journey because I have no reference at all. And I have not been looking up any. I've not been cheating. Mm-hmm. I've not looked up anything. I don't I, know who's involved with some of this. It's uh, like, well, I could promise you there's a handful of episodes that I saw as a kid that scared the living shit out of me. And I'm sure coming back to it, I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to have anxiety. Like I'm already getting goosebumps. Like oh, look at that. Oh, thinking about some of that. The, the, and it may not the goose flesh. It, it may not even like my memories may not match what I, what I saw, but there is one coming up. Um, eventually called toys of toys of the Caliban or toys for Caliban. That is one of the more upsetting episodes of the twilight zone I've ever seen. And I could not wait to upset Terry with it. <laughs> I kind of collect toys, so that doesn't oh, sound. That doesn't. That's not what it yeah. means. So we'll oh, get there. Oh no, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's even weirder. But yeah, dude, this yeah. is this was a, a good story. Uh, I'm glad that the pieces and parts are are fitting the yeah. way I would like them to so far. Um, I'm excited to check out the rest of this and uh, yeah, let's so, go. Let's, like, hopefully, you guys are going to be there with us. So let's go ahead and just uh, rate that twist. I, I was thinking about pulling some music from the episode to use that as the twist rating and be like that weird Grateful Dead music. I'm like, there's no way that's entering the show <laughs> yeah. uh, for a twist. I mean, we had the, some cool stuff from the Peel, the Jordan Peele stuff, but not. Yeah, anyway. So, yes, uh, twist rating, guys. Just to reset it, one is Saw It Coming From All Away. Five is Mind Blowing. Uh, the twist that, like, um, 
for me, it isn't that there was a double because that's established in the beginning. The twist for me, I think, is more of like I didn't see it ending peacefully. So I'll give that a three because not that I needed like violence, but it was more like a, a, a mutual resignation between the both that, yep, uh, home, home, Novens, you proved to be the better man and I'm going to fade away. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I guess if I was thinking about a twist while I was watching it, it was that one was going to have to overpower the other for control of the life and it being, uh, at home, Novens or whatever, yeah. Peter, I, I I'm going to have to be like a two, I guess a two, you yeah. know, like it just, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's where it's going. Because you hear the title of Shattered Eight, it doesn't, it doesn't give you any kind of like idea of what the, this episode's going to be about. And like, cause you know, it reached, uh, you know, at least in the original series, some of those titles, you're like, huh, you just kind of told me everything that's going to happen in this. That, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will agree with that. And you're right. I think that once you introduce the other and it seems to be, I mean, even at one point you even had a home Novens just chilling on the couch with no shirt on, just living his best life. You right. know? Like you knew that he had, like the, the scales were tipping so that this was going to end favorably for him. You're like, that That's not much of a surprise. It's just, you know, that final moment between the both of them, I did not see that coming. And, and a night like that also shows that like as much as this is a dark story, um, that the twilight zone can kind of end like on a, Oh, well that would, that there it is. It's not like we, it's not like, um, when we were covering, um, uh, creep show where it's like, everybody has to get hurt. You know, yeah. everybody has to pay, you know? So, no, like I no, this was a good, good, good start, uh, to this new season, a new series, uh, and it, it gives us high hopes. So, um, yeah, before we talk about what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on um, on Facebook at Strange Highways. I Thankfully, now that I own these DVDs, I can take screenshots again at what I want to take screenshots yes. of. Yes. So, so Excellent. I'll, I'll, post, I'll post dumb pictures. <laughs> take that, CBS. Yeah, take it. I own it now. I have the power. <laughs> yeah, right? Got them. Got them, yeah. <laughs> Mark it. Uh, no, so uh, we'll be posting images there. You can email us directly at... Um, at at uh, strangehighwayspodcastgmail.com. You know, leave us comments there. Leave us comments on Facebook. Uh, wherever you find your, um, you know, your podcast, rate and review us. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? Dude, Instagram. We are on Instagram. Check it out. We're getting our, we're getting our asses back in shape. You know, it's a new year, new us. Yeah. New Instagrams. We, our old selves have faded into the sunlight. Yeah. Right? So yeah. new Terry is getting his ass back in gear, yeah. and he's gonna be like, "Old Terry, why didn't you post enough on Instagram in 2021?" And like, because you know, life. Yeah, I'll be like, "Old Paul, why did you invest all your money in Beanie Babies?" Be like, "Don't, I don't want to talk about it." And you know? uh, like, yeah. and 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 this is this is something I'm very excited about. Uh, I have mentioned it in the past. Uh, apparently, no one was able to ca- catch that memo. Um, <laughs> Spotify, you can rate us on Spotify. One to five uh, stars, maybe you know, five star rating. That'd hoping, be great. Appreciate hoping that. for it. Hoping for the love. You know, New Year, new love. Give it to us. And uh, we hope that you guys are going to be rating us uh, because, you know, we're rating you in our hearts all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we actually You are our yeah. number one yeah. fans, yeah. every single one of you. You each get an individual letter in the mail that's going to be a scale a rating of one to five. And you'll know. What, you know what I'm <laughs> 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 no. Uh, so, so, yeah, we appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you guys listening. And, again, I hope you can join us on this journey um, and watch it with us because, uh, again, that's also why we're splitting out uh, the episodes because – we want to enjoy this as much as possible and also give 
um, give time for the segments to breathe as opposed to just trying to run through stuff, right? So, all right, um, let's talk about what we're doing next. And now, Mr. Serling. I mean, not really, but that's what we're going to do from now on. Pretend, pretend everybody, he's still with us. Uh, next is going to be season one, episode one. We're still at episode one. Uh, segment B or, or two or, you know. Other half. Other half. It's called A Little Peace and Quiet. I do remember this one growing up and watching it. I remember the ending. Uh, that's all I'll say. We'll get them when we get there. Uh, but again, yeah, that's been hard to talk about Saturday. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope everybody, um, you know, happy, happy new Twilight Zone. There you go. Uh, and uh, yeah, have a, have a good week. Have a safe week. And um, I, I don't know. Don't ever call yourself. That way, you know, shit won't get messed up. Yeah, and take a look at the man in the mirror. just about as much of your incompetence as I can take. Come in. Your groceries stink, your prices are outrageous, and your delivery boy's got the brains of a russet potato. <laughs>